Welcome to Tea Time with Mary. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm a former bikini fitness model turned self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hey friends, before we begin, I just wanted to let you know that this podcast episode is sponsored by my favorite books. Not literally, but I did create a book list for you with all of my favorite books for self-love and body image and self-confidence and just overall self-healing and growth. I am a huge personal growth person. And to be honest with you, a lot of the things that I talk about come from the books that I've read. I'm a big reader and I always tell my little sister, readers are leaders. And I love audiobooks. I love book books. I love Kindle. I love all the forms of books. Just give me all the goods. So I decided to create a book list for you with my top 25 favorite books. And I actually add to this list. So there's probably going to be more than 25 books on it. But I have narrowed it down to top 25 books that you need to read to start the self-love journey. I'm not saying you have to read all the books right now, but you should have this list handy dandy for when you're getting a book on Amazon or shopping in your Audible or whatever. So I've created this book list and you can get it at maryscupoftea.com slash books. And I will also put it in the show notes. And let me know how you like these recommendations by screenshotting what you're reading and tagging me in your Instagram stories. I always love seeing you use my recommendations. It just makes my whole day because we're like a little community. So anyways, maryscupoftea.com slash books. Go get it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mary's Cup of Tea, the podcast. I haven't recorded a solo episode in a couple of weeks, so I am really excited to do a like solo personal update episode. And I was thinking about what's been a big part of my life lately. And the one word, the one thing that stuck out to me is therapy. I started doing therapy around mid-March, right when things started shutting down for quarantine and the pandemic and everything, and I've heard of online therapy services for a while, and I always told myself, like, Mary, no excuses. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. Like, you have to start going, and I've been wanting to go to therapy for a while, and when things started closing for the pandemic and the stay-home orders were put in place, I'm like, okay, Mary, like, you can't procrastinate this any longer. So I signed up for BetterHelp. Um, I'll talk about that later and how I like the platform, but basically it's like an online therapy platform, and it has been a godsend to say the least. But I wanted to tell you the whole story as to why I'm in therapy, why I'm taking it so seriously, and why it's so important to me. So um, a lot of you know that I struggled with an eating disorder growing up, but I never really knew that it was actually an eating disorder because I didn't have anybody to tell me like, hey, uh, starving yourself all day is not okay. (laughs) And trying to exercise off everything you ate is a destructive, disordered behavior. Um, So I kind of dealt with this my whole life and I never really knew it, right? And when I was 18 and I had just quit the fitness industry and um, I started, you know, growing up, I guess, and doing my own research and taking more control over my health and my well-being, I realized that I was like really, really depressed. Um, And I thought I was depressed because I was gaining weight when (laughs) in reality, now I realize that I wasn't depressed because I was gaining weight. It was just one symptom of so many other things going on, including my, at that point, seven-year battle with an eating disorder. So, of course, like, 
I would be depressed, right? So anyways, long story short, a lot of what I have gone through has been just like a personal self-healing journey. Um, So to be totally transparent with you, like I never went to a recovery center. I never did inpatient nor outpatient for my eating disorder. I never even went to counseling, not in the stereotypical sense. I had some mentors. I did coaching. I dove into the work like on my own but I never had somebody there to support me along the way. And there's a few different reasons for this. One, I couldn't afford therapy, um, especially when I first figured out that I was struggling. Um, I was in college, and I know that Arizona State offers like some discounted therapy and everything, but I guess I was just too scared. Um, And I didn't really know about that resource that university had. So that was at the very beginning. I was too scared. I didn't know what it was. There was that stigma about therapy. I was like, what is wrong with me? I don't want to, you know, go to therapy and have somebody ask me, how do you feel about that? So I just had this like very negative stigma about what the experience of therapy would be like. And then when I moved to Canada, I, again, I was still trying to do, (laughs) I mentioned this in my last episode, but my like previous brand when I was like recovering, I was still trying to like lose weight without dieting. And my first ever like website was called Effortlessly Healthy Living, How to Lose Weight Without Dieting. So I was still caught up in diet culture, but I was, you know, disguising it as like, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. And I just feel really uncomfortable with this extra weight. Like once I lose the weight, then I'll be happy and healthy. And right now, like this can't be healthy for me, Mary. You're binge eating because you don't have willpower. So I was still in that like diet culture and diet mentality, but I took kind of the small step forward in that I no longer wanted to I'm not going to say look like a fitness model. Of course, at that time, I did want to look like a fitness model, but I realized what what that lifestyle was doing to me. So I took the step forward in the sense that I'm like, I'm not going to do this destructive fitness lifestyle. Like, I don't need the perfect body. I just want, you know, like a a small body. It doesn't have to be perfect. (laughs) So it was like kind of this catch-22. But my point is that because I kept on disguising what I was struggling with, I never thought I needed therapy. And again, there's that stigma that only people who need therapy go to therapy, whatever that means. Like, how do you even define who needs therapy, right? Um, but I thought it was just for people who was who were struggling with a mental illness, and I didn't realize that I was one of those people that could really benefit from it. One thing I did dive into, though, is coaching. So I did a lot of leadership training and life coaching, um, and there were like pros and cons to it. The pros were that it let me focus completely on something else. You know, it let me focus on my skills as a leader in this world, as a person, you know, just being a more well-rounded human and not constantly be focused on my eating disorder. But at the same time, it kind of just like bulldozed over my eating disorder because I think in the coaching space, um, a lot of like, you know, it's just an education thing, right? Like people who are life coaches generally don't have decades of psychology experience or let alone working with something as intricate and complex as eating disorders. So on one hand, I did get a lot of tools for self-awareness and 
um, a lot, actually some tools for self-love too, but I never really addressed that struggle that I had with food and body image. Now, life coaching like really dragged me out of my deepest, darkest hole, but it did so in a way that like it just basically gave me something else to focus on, right? Like instead of worrying about my body, I was worried about my work and how good of a student I was and how good my relationship was. So it just put pressure on other areas of my life so that I didn't really have to address this beast living inside of me. (laughs) So I'm not like saying that therapy is better than coaching or coaching is better than therapy. I'm just totally telling you what my experience with it was. And at one point, like life coaching did save save my life and it dragged me out of that hole and it let me see things differently. So even though I didn't take the traditional route, I still got a lot of healing from it. I still realized that I was so much more than this. I was so much more than my body, that there was so much more to life, that there were people to serve, that there were, there was, you know, passions to pursue. Um, and it gave me a lot of that like self-motivation that I still carry with me to this day. So with all that being said, I don't regret not going to therapy. I wish that I kind of did both. And sometimes I think like, okay, well, what if you took a more traditional route? But I also know that everything led me to be the person that I am today. So I'm sure it was all for a reason and for good reason. But then when I left Canada, um, I've hinted at this in the past, but I had a really bad breakup, you guys. Like, <sighs> I wish I could tell you details, but I also can't because of the privacy of of the other person. And because honestly, like even after two years, it's something that I'm still not that ready to share um, because it was so heartbreaking on so many levels. Long story short, it wasn't just a breakup to me. There was just a a lot that happened in a very short period of time. Um, And I was living alone in Calgary after all of this, and I just couldn't do it anymore. You know, like I couldn't keep living paycheck to paycheck and working at the bar till 3 a.m. and and walking home and then waking up to go to school and somehow trying to pay for my apartment and buy food. And I was constantly living in like this survival mode and I was all alone. And I have like a really good family in Arizona. And it just hit me like, why am I doing this? And I realized that a lot of a big reason why I stayed in Canada, like, yes, there was a part of me that hoped my ex and I would get back together. Um, And then there was also the fact that school, like I couldn't transfer schools mid-year and I didn't want to just throw away everything that I not only worked for, but also paid for because I was paying international tuition in Canada. Um, So I was like, okay, like I'm just going to finish school here. And then it went from like, I'm just going to finish at the University of Calgary to I'm just going to finish the year, the school year, because I just can't do this anymore. And another part of me was also trying to like prove to myself that I could live alone in a different country. I think that was something in my healing journey that I kind of prided myself on. And I know that a part of it came from a place of ego of just like, you're not going to tell me what to do. Like, I'll make it. And almost like wanting to keep on struggling, if that makes sense. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but like in life coaching, one thing that they they say, and actually my therapist asked me this too, they'll be like, how is this serving you? Like, how is this pain actually serving you? And you're like, well, 
you know, it keeps me from getting my heart broken again. You know, it keeps me from opening up to somebody else. It keeps me from getting hurt, you know? So living life with these, like, how do you say it? Kind of not boundaries, but just like being closed off and like living life from this place of like, I'm going to prove you wrong and everything is messed up and it's, you know, doomed to be messed up. And I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but (laughs) from personal experience, a part of me stayed in Canada because I almost wanted to keep on feeling sorry for myself. Yeah, there, I said it in one sentence. A part of me lived in Canada for longer than I should have because I, I wanted to be in that struggling student mentality, if that makes sense. Like I, a part of me just like romanticized my heartbreak and my shitty life. If that, like, I don't know if I'm even expressing myself, but all that to say, I went through hell and back there. Like Canada was the place that healed me and that helped me crawl out of my eating disorder. And then it was also the place that broke me down in so many other ways. But resilience is amazing. And I do feel, I firmly believe that I came out of the out of it just stronger than ever and with this worldview. And it was such a beautiful experience living somewhere else. Um, And I did prove to myself that I could do it, you know, that I could live alone, that I could pay my bills and that I would be fine and I can work late nights and I can keep on studying and I, you know, hard work kind of pays off. So anyways, after that happened, that's when I really started thinking about therapy more seriously because so much happened in such a short amount of time that I was like, I I didn't even give myself time to process it. You know, it's like one second I'm going through a heartbreak. The next second I'm at the hospital. The next second, you know, I'm working at a cocktail lounge. And then the next second I'm going to Bali. And then the next second I booked a one-way ticket and I'm moving to Arizona. Then the next I'm fighting with my dad. And the next my dad decides that he's going to be an ass. And like, it was just like nonstop, one thing after another. This was in 2018, by the way. And meanwhile, my social media was growing. So I'm trying to like grow my social media and spread this positive message about self-love. And then parallel to, it just felt like, not like my life was falling apart, but that it was just like chaotic. And it was just like a lot of shit all at once. Um, And I wasn't ready to start dating again, obviously. Um, But then when I did start dating again, I just noticed things in me that were still like holding on to the heartbreak and my old relationship and that I wasn't able to move forward and that I was so just like mentally like drained and fucked up from it. Um, And that's when I was like, okay, Mary, like this time for real, you're going to go to therapy. You're going to see what it's like and you're just going to stick it out, right? Like just try it. And that's when I realized that I transferred back to Arizona State. So that's when I realized that ASU actually offers like counseling services for students. Um, And then of course I didn't do it. (laughs) I just kept on procrastinating it. Um, And yeah, I just, I remember I went to one counseling session at ASU and it was good. Like my counselor was very validating and very understanding. And I liked that I could come into a place and pour my heart out and not be judged. But at the same time, I guess I just didn't feel that connection. Like I didn't feel like I was moving forward in it, even though I only went to one appointment. So that's like one thing I want to tell you, like 
don't just go to one therapy session and expect it to quote unquote work. You know, like there's nothing to work in therapy. It's like this continuous, gradual process of uncovering and discovering like like an onion, like you're peeling layers of your emotional onion. And it's going to take more than one session to peel it. Like that first session, your therapist isn't supposed to be good. You know, they're not supposed to change your life. They're not supposed to say anything profound. They're just supposed to like listen and test the waters and just like see where you're at and get to know you. Um, But I just put too much pressure on having this profound experience in therapy that when I left that counseling session, I just didn't make it a priority to go back. And I made up excuses. You know, one of them was that it was in downtown Phoenix and there was nowhere to park my car. And another one was that it was too far of a drive for me. And another one that I couldn't book an appointment because on university campuses, like it's walk-in only. And so I was like, this is just not going to work with my schedule. So I kept on making excuses. Flash forward a year, for actually a few months, but it was a full year until I came back and started taking therapy seriously. But about five, six, seven months after that, um, my boyfriend and I started getting pretty serious. Um, And by that, I mean just like we're really in love and committed to each other and we live together and he's such a stable, normal guy. I'm wondering, should I interview him for the podcast? I feel like that would be such a cool interview because you've seen bits and pieces of him on Instagram. He prefers to remain anonymous, um, so I don't want to violate his privacy that way, but something like a podcast interview with him I feel like would be so cool just so you could get to know him. But how I describe our relationship is I'm this like tornado, and he's this like normal dude. Like He's so calm and stable, and his ducks are in a row, and he's so like validating emotionally and he never shuts me down and he embraces all my like fire. But of course, my insecurity is that I'm too much for him, you know, because I'm like, ah, you know, emotions, feelings. Oh my God, activism. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, babe, I see what you mean. I understand. (laughs) He's kind of like a therapist in that way that he's just so like level-headed and calm and he takes it one day at a time. And he's the most like wholesome, balanced person that I know. You know, like he makes time for everything. And he, I remember when we first started dating, like he would come home midday just to play with the dog for like an hour, like literally just, just to play with the dog. Or if I want to like cuddle at 2 PM on a Tuesday, like he will make time for that. He very rarely ever says like, babe, I gotta go work or stop it or whatever. Like we're just very connected in that way. And I just admire how balanced he is in every way. Like he's not a workaholic. He's, he's just, I don't know. He just has this way of being that is just very calming and grounding and secure. And I did do his attachment style in case you're into that. And he's like a hundred percent secure. It's like crazy. And then meanwhile, there's me. (laughs) So anyways, as we're like progressing, I realized that I was starting to get really nervous about marriage. Um, Not because I don't want to marry him, but because like, guys, I always joke, (sighs) I have been through three divorces and I've never been married because of my parents. And it was just really hard for me. Like my parents' divorce was 18 years plus and I'm still facing the effects of that. Um, And I, you know, my childhood was 
very traumatic, very tumultuous, um, just very painful, so to speak, in terms of relationship with my parents, especially my dad. So I would go from moms to dads. My dad would live in California. I would fly there every other week. Um, There were just so many, I call them adventures, but (laughs) the real term is like traumatizing experiences when it comes to being at my dad's house and how my dad talked about my mom and just everything that that entailed. Um, I never want to relive that. And I was very pessimistic about marriage. And I always look at people who are married and have been married for a while as like creatures in a zoo. Like, I'm just so curious. I'm like, how, how do you stay together? How do you do this? You don't fight. Oh my gosh, you fight. And then you work it out and you are fine and you get back together. Like, what is this? That is just stuff that I did not know as a child. Um, Not to mention my mom and my sister's dad also got divorced. And that was really hard on me because now I'm like, fuck, you know, now Ilana has to go through this. Luckily, her dad is not my dad and he's, you know, very present in her life. So it's totally different. But it still kept reaffirming that story that like all marriages end in all marriages end in divorce. And, you know, I'm not destined to be in a relationship because all my long-term relationships have ended. I mean, granted, I'm young and <laughs> I get that, but you know how in your head it just feels really, really real. And obviously nobody wants to, nobody goes into marriage thinking that they're going to get divorced, but I can't help but think like there's, it's just so common these days, right? And I remember at my TED Talk, I actually got really, really close to um, the coordinators of my TED Talk, the organizers. And I was over at their house and I was just telling them all this and they're married and they're on their second marriage. And I admire them so much as a couple. So like I said, if I see like a stable, healthy relationship, I just want to like question them, be like, how do you do it? How did you meet? How's this? Like, you know, I just want to ask them all the questions because I kind of want to make sure that I'm going to be okay when I get married, you know? So I was asking them and I was just kind of pouring my heart out in terms of my fears around that. And I remember Daphna like grabbed my hand and she's like, Mary, divorce is not the worst thing in the world. And I just started like bawling my eyes out because I'm like, nobody's ever told me that. In the movies, divorce is the worst thing in the world. In my life, divorce was the worst thing in the world. Like it was just the biggest thing that I ever went through. And hearing from somebody that like, you can love each other and get married. And then even if you do get divorced, it's even if it feels like worst case scenario, like it's not. So that's when I started really realizing that like, hey, this fear that I have about commitment is just so deeply rooted. And it's something that I'm going to really need professional help to work through. Um, So this year, like 2020, I was like, okay, Mary, if not now, then when, right? Because not only are my boyfriend and I getting serious, and I know we both do want to get married, but I don't want to just jump into it without working on myself first. So that was one of the reasons why I was very adamant on doing therapy at this particular time in my life and why I finally like made myself go. Um, and then there were just a few little other things, like, for example, my relationship with social media. I mean, constantly interacting with others and constantly being on a screen and constantly seeing other people's images and your own image and spending hours a day this being a part of my work and I love it 
but I also was feeling some of those negative consequences of always being in this like public eye, right? Like being criticized so much and, you know, constantly the the looks thing, the the appearance and the body image conversation of like, how do I look on Instagram stories? And that started just like really getting to my head, like the pressure to perform, especially on social media. So it's not just the pressure to perform for myself, but it's the pressure to perform for the hundreds of thousands of people that follow me. And so I really wanted to like have better boundaries with social media. And then the third reason, and I'm sure I've <laughs> you kind of got this hint um, throughout the episode, but my relationship with my dad is really rocky. And as my dad is getting older, um, it's it's been harder because now I'm thinking more about his mortality and how he's not going to be there forever and how I do want him in my life. I just, again, the boundaries conversation, like how much do I want him in my life? Um, what am I okay with? Do I want him to visit? Do I want to go to Russia? Um, not to mention like he's not dying tomorrow, so don't worry, but like his health isn't great and he's all the way in Russia. And with this pandemic and just you know, constantly being worried about him. And it's not just his physical health, it's his mental health, because I just know how unstable he is that way. So with all that to say, like, therapy was so needed. And it was perfect timing for me, even though it was a long time coming since I was little, since I struggled with an eating disorder, um, since I was recovering from an eating disorder. But it feels so right at this particular time in my life. Um, So that's just a really honest synopsis of my life and why I'm going to therapy and what I'm hoping to gain out of it. I believe I am eight weeks in now. Yeah, I have a therapy appointment tomorrow and it's going to be our eighth session. It has been life-changing, like literally life-changing. My therapist, Nina, is amazing. She's so cool. And when I first joined BetterHelp, it's like an online therapy platform and they ask you questions about like, what you're looking for in therapy, and they match you with a therapist. So my first few matches actually didn't work out. And I was thinking like, oh, see, it's not for me. Like, this is not going to work out. I can't even get a therapy match. And it was just like random, like bullshit things. Like my first therapist just randomly left the platform. And then my second therapist, her, her schedule was booked. So we got matched by accident. And then my third therapist, again, it was like a scheduling thing where she was only available late at night. And I'm with my sister usually in the evenings, so I couldn't, that didn't work out. So it was constantly something. And I was like, okay, one more time. And I clicked request new therapist and I got matched with Nina. And you know, when you're in a really good relationship and you're like, wow, this is why all those other fuck boys, fuck girls didn't work out because this is my person. That's how I feel about Nina. Like, I'm like, thank God all those other therapists didn't work out because it matched me with the perfect therapist for me. And Nina pushes my buttons and she calls me on my bullshit and she's not afraid to get in my face. And even though it's virtual, like we video chat, it still feels very real. You know, um, I was thinking that I would lack the human connection. And there's a part of me that still wants to like go see somebody in person and just see what that's like. But Also, nothing beats the convenience of it, you know, like the fact that I don't have to drive an hour to get to downtown Phoenix to go to a therapist or I just don't even have to like 
leave my office. I could just log in, you know, and talk to her. Um, So there's so many things that it gave me. And Nina has like turned my world upside down in so many ways. Like, for example, the marriage situation, right? Like I told you, I've been through all these divorces and I've never even been married because my parents, um, you know, my parents kind of, I lived vicariously through them. And she was telling me how like, or I was telling her how, you know, because of the experience that I've had vicariously through my mom and her experience with men and divorce and everything that I kind of feel scarred that I don't want to end up like this. And Nina's like, Mary, your mom didn't teach you that all relationships fail. That's your interpretation of it. Your mom taught you the power of knowing your worth and leaving and getting the fuck out of a bad relationship even when it's when the odds are stacked against you even when it's difficult, even when everybody's telling you to stay together, even when you have no money, even when you're a single mom with two kids, your mother taught you the power of knowing your worth and not settling for less than you deserve. And then she did this dramatic pause. And I was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) It's just perspective and cognitive behavioral therapy or also all types of therapy. They just teach you how to rewire your your brain so that you just see things differently because so many things are just our perspective. Like I created this story that all relationships fail and I created that story to protect myself. I'm I literally that's how I interpreted my life experiences so that I could avoid having that same life experience, right? No part of me thought to think of it that way that my mom was strong, that she was powerful, that she didn't let people walk all over her or she did, but she got the fuck out of it. You know, Um, she didn't care if it was inconvenient, if we didn't have money, if she didn't know how she was going to make ends meet. She still knew that she deserved a better life and that her daughters deserved a better life. And Nina also told me about she's like on a personal level, you know, my parents should have gotten divorced. And the reason why I go to therapy is because my parents didn't get divorced because it's not practice, you know, divorce is not welcome in our culture. So they never got divorced. And now I'm dealing with my own sets of traumas. Um, So she just always like gives me a new way to look at things. Right. And I think to me, that's what therapy has been all about. And then the other takeaway that's been really important to me is the patience. I am such a type A overachiever, got to get shit done, got to figure it out. You know, I am constantly looking for answers. I'm constantly searching the internet. I'm I'm reading the books. I'm doing the journaling. I love personal development. I love self-healing. I love doing, you know, the work as I call it. Um, and I pride myself on that. But with Nina, it's like our sessions are 50 minutes. And when 50 minutes is up, she's like, okay, do you want to schedule for next week? And I'm like, but we were just getting somewhere. I need an answer now. I need it figured out now. You can't leave me like this. And that was me the first couple of sessions. And then it just taught me that like, I don't need everything figured out right now, that I can take it little by little. You know, I can take it, I can take my journey in, in small, my healing journey in small digestible chunks And everything will be okay if I wait until next week to address my daddy issues, (laughs) you know? Like, everything will be fine. It doesn't have to be figured out 
right this very second. You know, I'm not a failure if I don't have the answers right now. That actually saying, I don't know, is a very brave thing to say. And that's what what therapy has brought to me. It was kind of like this positive external benefit of therapy that actually didn't have much to do with my therapist. It's just the structure of therapy. Um, The fact that you keep coming back to it and that you take it little by little and that you stick with it even when it's uncomfortable. So it's just been life-changing for me. Um, All that to say, I highly encourage you to try out therapy if you have, you you know, you have access to that or you've been thinking about it. Um, I invite this to be like your little push in that direction um, because it's, it's just, it's a journey and it's beautiful and you discover so much about yourself. And I think lately I've just been like a much more calmer person. You know, I don't feel this desire to prove myself on social media. I don't feel this, you know, intense, like, pressure to perform. I don't feel like my boyfriend and I have to have our life figured out today. You know, (laughs) it's like, I just feel more grounded in myself and who I am and where I'm at in my life. Um, So I use BetterHelp. I've mentioned that, and this is no way a plug for them. It's not sponsored, but I did become an affiliate for them. So if you do want to try out therapy, um, you can go to BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P, not health, but help. Betterhelp.com slash M-C-O-T for Mary's cup of tea. And that gives you like a two-week free trial. So um, that's the link that they gave me. And aside from that, if there's a therapist in your area um, or if you decide to do it online, there's a couple different online platforms aside from BetterHelp. So you can try them out and see what works for you. Um, And then also if you're going the coaching route, like if you're struggling with something very particular, and you want a coach to help you in that area, I think that can also serve the same benefits, even though the approach is a little bit different. So I'm a proponent of both therapy and coaching. I, you know, was a life coach and I did, um, you know, a lot of what I do at my retreats is also coaching. So I like both. I think both is good. They're a supplement to one another. Um, But more recently, I've been leaning towards like therapy has just been so profound for me personally, but maybe that's different for you. So anyways, that is all for today. Just wanted to share my personal journey with you because I I got that question quite a bit on Instagram. Um, And the last thing I want to say is that therapy is not just for those who quote unquote need it. You know, you don't have to need therapy. You can just want somebody to support you through your life, you know, through different transitions or challenges or just a checkup. You know, I think we all have some things that we want to work on internally and therapy helps you do that. So don't wait until things are falling apart. You know, therapy is like preventative mental health care, right? Just like taking your vitamins or, um, you know, sleeping or taking care of your health. Like those are things that you do so that you don't get sick, right? Don't wait until things are falling apart for you to go see somebody. You can be proactive about it, especially in the mental health arena. So anyways, I love you all and I will talk to you next week. Bye.